You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. We are in our ninth week so uh, of this series called Justified, How God Mends Broken People, Broken Hearts, Broken Lives, a Broken World. And it's the book of Romans is just amazing. Um, it's quite the letter, inspired, of course, and um, we're coming to probably the highlight in one sense. One of the uh, most glorious chapters, I think Paul himself struggles in this chapter with just getting the right words out. And I'm not saying they aren't great words, it's just like language itself limits almost, it feels like it limits what God all intends with his love, that nothing in all creation can separate us from um, God's love, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're going to be looking at some of those words today. Over this series, we actually, way back in um, the the first one, justified number one, we started actually at the end of the letter, of Romans, showing at the end of the letter what was going on and where we were headed. In a sense, just kind of like, I don't know if you've ever done that and kind of sneak peek at the end of a novel to find out how things turn out. Well, that's kind of what we did, okay? And we did that for the sake of understanding why Paul starts where he does and where he's taking it. We found justification or justified is the thing, the one thing that runs through it all. And the fact that this was not an abstract theory that he came up with and then applied. It's the fact that he looked at the Roman Christians who were from Jewish and Gentile backgrounds and how they had gotten divided in a number of ways like the rest of society in that day. They were divided between Gentile and Jew, between the weak and the strong, between women and men, between slave and free, and how... In the church, Paul said, because of justification, because of that one amazing teaching of what has happened for us in Jesus Christ, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. We are all to treat one another as Jesus has treated us, so different from the way the world is. So this whole idea of um, no divisions within Christianity is not just a nice thing. It's actually the best way we as the Christian church today, can still show the world the gospel. The fact that we treat each one with grace because that's how we've been treated and cared for by God ourselves. Because we've been justified by grace through faith in Christ, we have confidence, confidence to live in this world Uh, No human effort can give you such confidence. No security measures can give you this confidence. No firewall of protection can give you this type of confidence. No amount of money could do it. No military weapon could do it. No nation can give you what God has done for you freely in Jesus. And that's what we find here in Romans chapter 8. So today, we're starting at verse 28 and going to the end of the chapter. We could read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to do that just because of time. It's all good stuff. So let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 39. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he 
predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that. He was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, right? Wow. I could end it there. Maybe you'd like that. Sorry. We're going to go through these three points today. In Romans 8, we learn these things because God justifies. You can be confident of God's love. And you can be confident of God's plans, and you just can be confident in God. We'll take them one at a time. Confident of God's love. I've mentioned this before. Um, you know, the emotional, mental, psychic, spiritual health of children is to know that they are loved no matter what. So like with Johnny right here, he's less than a year old yet. Almost a one-year birthday coming up in November. Happy birthday, Johnny. But the best thing that his parents can do for him, Haley and John, and his grandparents and us, is to give them this rock bed no matter what confidence he is loved, he is appreciated. And they've been doing that in so many ways, just like I know that you did for your children or you probably had. For Sometimes people don't have that. You, you realize that. They have that. They don't have someone mirroring to them, someone loving them, someone being there. They have faced all sorts of things. And it's so hard. But we have that from God, regardless. Um, one of the great things here in this text um, is the fact that we have much more than just kind of this constant wishful thinking. You know, um, Carl Rogers, a famous uh, psychologist, said, everybody needs um, unconditional positive regard. I think that sounds so clinical, you know. It basically means you need to be loved by someone no matter what, someone more powerful than you, greater than you to be loved. And when you are, you grow in confidence throughout your life. Well, sadly, like I said, children don't always face that. We didn't always have that, but we do from our God. And it's not an unconditional positive regard in a generic sense. It's not wishful thinking. It's not God's thoughts, you know. It's not like he gave us thoughts and prayers. <laughs> he gives us his son, Jesus Christ. You know, it's not that we're, God is our counselor and just walks alongside of us and listens to us and then kind of bears with us through things. That's good stuff for a counselor to do, but God not just does that. He becomes one with us in the person of Jesus Christ. He understands us from the inside out. He's got skin in the game, you know. He's involved in it, and Christ himself doesn't just come alongside of us. He bears our burdens upon himself so that 
He redeems you, rescues you, solves your problems, saves you, does all of this. So much more. Now, I'm not saying I am so thrilled that I've got family and you all as family who love me no matter what, even when I give a kind of an iffy sermon, I think, right? And even when I might be in a bad mood that you will still pray for me and love me, etc. That is fantastic. That's what we need to be. But it all starts because God has done that for us. And uh, he does that even when our lives seem to be going in all different directions. Paul wrote um, elsewhere about his life. He didn't have an easy one. You kind of realize that, right? In 1 Corinthians 4, he talks about what it's like. And he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Nothing fancy about our lives, you know, just kind of the packaging doesn't look so good. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Because we get a lot of no's in this world. We get a lot of rejection in this world. We get a lot of evaluations, and we are found wanting in this world. But we can handle that because we've got a deep, abiding yes of God's love no matter what. That's that treasure that we have in jars of clay. The treasure called the gospel. The treasure called justification, justified, that we have this verdict of not guilty on our lives. And more than that, we are given the status of Jesus himself. We are children along with him of God. You know? So that basically means this gift, that we can say it in two different ways, that you have this rock-solid foundation. The first is this, that God loves you no matter what bad stuff is happening outside of you. I know that sounds kind of pretty well normal, but just think about it. <laughs> and uh, 2020, right? Bad stuff happening all over the place outside of us. Um, we felt it so many different ways, and I wish it were just the fact that we've had the pandemic, or just the fact this is an election year, or just the fact that there has been uh, some uh, social unrest as a result of some very brutal situations that have happened, all kind of culminating all the divisions and all that stuff in our society. I wish it was just that, but I also know in people's personal lives it's been cancer and grief loss of individuals and all sorts of other things just added to the top of it along with no end in sight. 2020 just keeps on giving, right? But that doesn't change God's love for you no matter what. It's so easy for us to say, well, how could God love us if he's allowing all this stuff to happen? If he's letting this happen in my life and yet Paul says, it ain't stopping God from loving you. He's loving you no matter what mess this world brings from outside of you. So the message, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. It says in 2 Corinthians, that passage we read, it says it this way. You know for yourselves that you are not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. That's the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The love of God, no matter what mess is happening outside you, no COVID, no politics, no divisions, no nations, 
could separate you ever from God's love. But also, I think this one's maybe even more important for all of us. It's one I've needed to hear time and again. God loves you no matter what bad stuff is happening inside of you. I know you've probably thought stuff. You've wanted stuff. You desired stuff. There have been times you've been weirded out by yourself, going like, how could I think about such stuff? The stuff in your heart, you might feel like it's deplorable or depraved, or how can you be so filled with such stuff? And there's maybe a better word for stuff than I'm using right now, but I'm going to stick with stuff. And you can think of the other words, right? But you've probably felt that way, and you wonder at that point in time when you've thought, or you've done something, or you've said something, or it's kind of come out, or you faced a situation a little more, you've probably wondered, how in the world could God love me after I've done and that might be harder for you to even imagine, right? When you discover that crud inside of yourself, I can't hardly, lo- I can't love me. How could God love me? But that's where Paul comes in here and says, uh, he still does. He knew that. He knows that. It's not the issue for him. Romans 8.38 For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And you might look at that and go like, yeah, that's true. All those things outside can't separate me, but I can separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Really? What, are you not part of creation? Last time I looked, you were a creature of God, and you are included in Paul's saying here that nothing in all creation can separate you from God's love. You can't separate you from God's love in Christ. That's what it says. You can argue all you want. Well, wait a minute. But just go with what God's word says here, which is a great So comforting response when I know I've done stuff, thought stuff, all that stuff comes up, and it's like, that still doesn't separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing inside you, nothing outside you. You can be confident in God's love, and also, you can be confident in God's plans. This is probably the most quoted of the passages from Romans chapter 8. It's verse 28 where Paul says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay? Now, um, but the way we use this passage sometimes, um, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say that the bad things that happen in your life are really good. They're just kind of, you know, Every cloud has a silver line. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that they're blessings in disguise. No, bad things are bad. And it doesn't say that you are going to have better circumstances than other people because you're a follower of Jesus. God, though, what it says, takes the bad things that are truly bad and ultimately works them out for good. Not next week, not next year, not in five years necessarily. I know a lot of people will look at this and they will say things, and I agree with them. They'll say, I didn't get into this grad school, the one I wanted, but God opened the opportunity over here, and that was even better. But that's not what this passage is saying. 
That might be the case. Or, you know, I really had hoped that this girlfriend, this boyfriend was the one I was going to marry, and, but that she, he broke up, but God has somebody even better for me. No, that's not what this passage says. There are people, Christians, who are faithfully following Jesus who never even get into college, who never have that opportunity. There are people who never get married following Jesus faithfully. Okay? God doesn't promise you better life circumstances. He promises you a better life. And that makes a big difference right there. And you go like, wait a minute, but what's the difference between better life circumstances and a better life? Isn't a better life circumstances a better life? Isn't that what I've been always praying for? And that's the big problem. You and I, we don't see it. Most people in our culture see better life circumstances as the better life, but the Bible's very clear. It knows what the better life is. It comes out here in Romans 8, verse 29, where it says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is the better life, that you would become more and more like patterned after Jesus Christ himself. I know that word conformed is such a negative image. You don't want to be a conformist. You don't want to conform. But the actual Greek word in this text is sum morphos, or morphos, which basically means to be shaped along with. That you've been shaped with Jesus Christ. That God has had every single thing that is coming your way, good, bad, and indifferent, tragic, difficult, enjoyable, rewarding, mundane, Seemingly mysterious, I don't understand what's going on, or purposeless, COVID-19 and everything else that's happened this year with one purpose in mind, not to give you better life circumstances, but the better life of his son, Jesus Christ. Not that I would become, you know, God like Jesus is God. No, that's not what we're saying. But I would become as loving as Jesus is loving. That I'd become more patient and enduring, more faithful and truthful, more courageously compassionate as Jesus is all of these things. And so God even has allowed bad things to happen for his purpose of shaping us along with Jesus Christ because that has always been his intent and purpose. You know, I know right now, it is, uh, this has been a tough year for the Christian church in general in the United States and around the world, probably. Not as bad as many Christians have faced by any means. I mean, what are, you know, what are, are the difficulties? We, we can't worship together as we like. We're still wearing masks. You know, we're still isolated. We're not having home Bible studies. I don't get to cook for y'all. You know, I love cooking. I love, and I love having the party every Sunday night to get together. And I guess, you know, we could just kind of say, throw caution to the wind and do all that stuff. But because it would probably benefit our church to do that in terms of the numbers that we could have. You know, we could pack the place. Everybody would like it and all. But we don't do what we're doing now because we're doing it for Thrive Community Church to build up some, quote, numbers and little you know, whatever building we might ever get someday. That's not what it's about. We are doing what God wants us to do for the sake of shaping our lives like Jesus. And we're always thinking of the other just like Jesus did. And so I wear a mask, except when I'm preaching here on Sunday morning, but during worship, not because I, you know, I'm afraid of getting the Rona, 
because I don't want to ever become a vector of that to someone else. And I've known people, and you probably have known some people that have faced devastating consequences if they've lived through it. If not, people who have lost 200,000, 220, 230,000 now. So we're bearing with this. We're not who we want to be right now. I can't wait for the day that we can get, quote, back to normal, if you want to call it. But what I'm hoping is that God has had his way with us through this time that was bad, but to do a better good to shape us. So Christians don't avoid the suffering that the world faces. I like what uh, Timothy Keller said, Jesus Christ did not suffer so that you won't suffer, but so that when you do suffer, you become more like him. Okay? So I know what God is doing in the sense of he wants us to be like him. His son, Jesus. And it's happening. Not in the ways I'd like, but that's part of what conformity is. Being formed with, not in the ways I want. That's always been God's plan. Paul said it this way. He said, with such confidence in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. That's his plan. He's going to bring you to completion. On that day, John, in his first letter, says, we will be like him when we see him. Isn't that amazing? You're going to be like Jesus, not like I said, deity, but you're going to be deified. That is, you're going to have God's life living through you and his character. God doesn't promise you a better life. He promises you uh, a better life circumstances. He promises you the better life of his son, Jesus. That's always been God's plan, and nothing has thwarted it. Not Adam and Eve eating of the forbidden fruit, not all of the wars and rumors of wars that have happened, not all of the things coming and going, not all of the chaos the world has faced, not anything in biblical history has ever changed God's plan A. There has never been a plan B in its place. There's always been plan A that from the beginning, whether Adam and Eve would have fallen or not fallen was not the point. The point is that from the beginning, God would send his son into this world so that we would be imaged and shaped with him to the fullness of the humanity God always intended. That's been his plan and it's going to happen. Paul spells it out simply, I think, profoundly in verse 30 as he continues in this, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So God chose you before you ever chose him. He knew you before you knew anything. He's called you when you didn't call on his name. He has justified you when you were ungodly, as Paul has stated elsewhere in this text. And he, this is the amazing thing in this, he has glorified you. What? Because this is, they're all past tense, and yet, my glorification, I'm hoping, is still in the future because <laughs> I'm not that glorious right now. <laughs> Maybe you are, Wyatt. You know, you, you look glorious. But um, our glory is in the future. But I think what Paul's doing here is he's going back to the end of the book. He's showing us the end of history. And from that perspective, it's all a done deal. Isn't that great? You, are glor- you will be glorified. It's so true. He could call it past tense. And so you get to see that God, in the middle of history, the perspective of the end of history and of your future, that you will be imbued 
with God's glory, that you will have that flowing through you, all of God's glory. Everything you do will glorify God and be glorious as a result. So because God has justified, you can be confident in God's love and you can be confident in God's plan. It's still on plan A. And then you can just be confident in God. Um, I brought it up many times because I love the contrast. Um, I, um, I've interviewed numerous faith leaders from different faith and religious backgrounds uh, over the years here, especially at FGCU, simply because um, I'm teaching contemporary world religions now and again at uh, the college level. And what always amazes me about faith leaders from almost any background is their lack of confidence in their final outcome. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Some of them, it's out of humility. You know, it's like, well, I don't really know what's going to happen. This is what I'm hoping happens. That's kind of how they put it. Others will say, well, you know, I'm hoping I've done enough good stuff to make up for the bad stuff and that perhaps God will show me mercy and kind of get me in. Others, well, you know, in this life, I don't know if I've probably done enough to burn off the bad karma, but I'll go through the cycle again and again and again until I get there. And eventually, someday, hopefully, maybe, I'm kind of amazed at how often I ask sometimes, it's like, do you know for sure what's going to happen? Paul's saying, you can, you do. It's not up for grabs. God has made the choice. He has chosen you. You will be glorified. Nothing will separate you from God's love. And it's, Paul's not saying he's confident in himself. He's not saying, look, I've, I've run the, you know, I've done a good job. He's not talking about that at all. He's looking at Jesus Christ and he's looking at the promise of God that is absolutely certain and absolutely sure. He, God holds to his word. He's going to keep it. It happens. We have confidence in God that what he has promised will be true. Nothing in all creation will separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And because of that, you have confidence in God. And that means, you know, I think I, I love these corollaries. The first is don't panic, okay? There's a lot going on as far as panic today. There's a lot of people who are fearful and worried and anxious. And I know, I'm not sleeping like, how many of you, I mean, I'm struggling with sleep. Anybody else uh, wake up in the middle of the night at times and it's like, there's so much on your mind. You're wondering what's going to happen next. Hey, that is our natural, and I get it. I, I'm doing that myself. I'm wondering. I'm worried about Thrive at times. I'm worried about, you know, students. I'm not worried about getting the Rona, but I'm worried about all the other things that might happen. Do you understand? And so um, it's easy to fall into that. And then, you know what happens when you're fearful and panicked? You get angry at those people and that, and this. Anger is just a response to fear and insecurity often. It's not just a, 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 an emotion in itself. And so we get all of this going on, and Paul says here, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. There's nothing to worry about. Now, I'm not saying at the same time, uh, you know, go out there and just throw all caution to the wind and do whatever. You know, I get into the car, I put my seat belts on, don't you? I remember the day, some of you are way too young, when seat belts, are you kidding me? That is so against my freedom. 
Seriously, yeah, no. So there were times where there were not seat belts in cars, and then there were times when it was just the lap belt that you had, a, and then you got stuck in it, you know. But uh, it was seriously, it was like, woo, that's too tight, and you can hardly get it. Do you remember trying to get that unlocked? And then the shoulder straps that they used to have that were so hard to put on, and hardly anybody. Yeah, no, we went. Kids sat in the front seat in the middle. <laughs> I sat sometimes against the back of the back seat, you know, on the top area. There was, it was big enough in that back rear view window, and you laid there for the ride. Do you understand how? <laughs> okay, yeah, well, some of you remember these things, right? So I know this is a little off, but the point is, I don't take, I wear a bike helmet when I go biking. And I, I do drive, but I don't huddle you know, hunker down, build a bunker, scared to death to walk out my door because a meteorite might strike me. Or um, I still do get in the roads in southwest Florida and drive my vehicle among all you crazy drivers out there. So there's kind of that balance and caution. But even when the earth trembles and the mountains would fall into the heart of the sea, Rome, uh, Psalm 46 says, we will not fear because God is still our God and he's our refuge and strength. Worry, fear, and panic are not gifts or fruit of the Holy Spirit. You will not find them that way. They're not Christian attributes. So take it all in perspective. Be wise and be filled with the ability to be calm. In fact, I think being calm in the midst of all the chaos that's going on is one witness to God's truth and love. And then secondly, that means you can make prayerful plans. You know, I think a lot of people have been paralyzed, not just now, but always. Um, paralyzed in making choices because if I make the wrong choice, then all oh my goodness, and then this could happen, and that could happen, and this could happen. You know, um, what if I go to the wrong school? What if I choose the wrong degree? What if I choose the wrong spouse? What if I choose this? What if I choose that? What if I go here? What if I move there? What if we buy this house? Or what do we? And we can get paralyzed and not make a choice, which is also making a choice. Um, but you don't have God who is stuck with this kind of pre-printed blueprint of your life that, oops, John just decided this instead of this. And all of a sudden, well, there you go. He's stuck with a second-rate life from now on. You know, a lot of Christians have that kind of attitude towards God's foreknowledge that is not biblical. What we find is not a pre-printed blueprint. We have a preeminent person who is living with us and conforming us to himself, Jesus Christ. And so Paul says this, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So Jesus Christ is the one who can bring in the midst of our bad planning his goodness and grace. God can take your bad decisions. Um, he's done it a hundred times over already whether you realize they were bad or not. And he can use them for your good. He knows how to do that. That's who God is. The last thing any Christian leader right now should do as far as planning and all this is to kind of be peddling fear that you better do this and if you don't do this, oh my goodness, the world's going to end. Time to hunker down. Time to brace yourselves. Time to build a bunker. 
No, we can live with confidence, we can make plans, we can make decisions, we can live and serve and even be vulnerable at a time and take some risks to still give in a time of uncertainty. You know what amazes me is the people, Christians that I've noticed around this world when they are actually under persecution, facing persecution, like when I've been to India and seen Christians there who've lost houses, lost jobs, had their churches burned down, who have faced death threats, how amazingly calm they are. And they don't go underground and hide, but they keep proclaiming wisely and winsomely God's love in Jesus Christ. It's kind of amazing. Because they know nothing can separate them from God's love. They are certain of God's love. They are certain of God's plans. They are certain of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you this day. Um, This is just such an amazing chapter. Lord God, you know um, the plans you have for us. And they're not simply to give us better circumstances in life. Your plan is to conform us, to shape us into Jesus himself, his character. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control become who we are and how we live. We pray that you would keep doing that. Lord, it has been a tough year for us individually and for Thrive as a community. We want, we yearn for the day, Lord, when we can be embracing each other where we can be communing with each other in fellowship with each other around table in Bible studies physically not distant. You aren't distant from us, Lord. You're not distant from our struggles. We pray for that day. We pray for the healing of that, Lord. We also know people right now in our church who are facing extremely strenuous circumstances, Lord. Lord, for anyone who's facing financial difficulties, we pray, Lord God, that you would raise us up as fellow members to supply their needs right now, Lord. Give us sensitivity to those, for those who are still facing the possibility of job loss during this pandemic. We pray for your protection over them and that we would be there for them and that you would provide. We pray, Lord God, as well, for those who are facing very difficult situations in terms of isolation and they're facing um, anxieties and depressions and stress and struggles, Lord God, and sleepless nights, I pray that you would fill them with your peace and that you would help us to show your love to them. I lift up to you also, Lord God, and I ask that you would, that you would work your healing presence, especially in a number of people here in our church today, for Andy and for Chris uh, and for Kai, all three, you know, the grandson of the... Griskies and the grandson of uh, the Llewellyns and for our dear sister in Christ, Andy, all three facing cancer, Lord God, that you would bring your healing direct, that you give them the better life, that they would trust you firmly through this. And we thank you that we're seeing that, but we pray for your healing grace upon them. We lift up to you, O Lord, um, our way forward. We're... We don't know exactly how this is all working right now. But we do know you. And we do know that nothing will separate us from your love. And we do know, Lord, that you will work it out ultimately. 
We pray, Lord, that you would give us more ministry opportunities, that you would give us boldness at a time like this, that you would give us such confidence, not that's arrogant, but that's a humble confidence, because our trust is in you, and that you would also give us creative ways to serve a community so that they are touched, that people understand your love and mercy and grace. All these things we lift up to you this day. We ask, Lord, your will is done, not our own. It'd be so easy to just try to build ourselves up and take care of ourselves now, Lord, and to kind of hunker down. And, uh, but uh, we want to be used for your kingdom's sake at a time like this. So we pray, Lord Jesus, you would do that in us and through us this day. All this we pray as well as, Lord, we pray that you'd bless us as we receive today uh, Holy Communion again, uh, that you would come and commune with us and commune uh, and you'd have us remember your deep sacrifice, Lord Jesus, that you gave yourself to us in a most intimate and precious way and that we would receive all that you are so that we become more like you, that you are the center of our lives and our identity. Um, and so bless us as we prepare for that. All this we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name today. Amen.